Welcome to Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Weldon. Today's story is Part 7 of The Wilderwood, an original work co-written for you by Daniel Hines and Joseph Montebello. The Wilderwood is a fantasy serial, which means that it's a really long story that we've been telling in sections for a few months now. Parts 1 through 6 have been released already, so make sure you check them out. Today, we'd like to say a special thank you to Miles and Nellie and the Bishop family in Singapore, Hazel and Owen and their family, Reuben and Elliot and their family in Canberra, Australia, Theodore, Jemima, and Matilda and their family in Lismore, Australia, and Kepler and Ada and their family in Brooklyn. Thank you so much, Ada, Kepler, Matilda, Jemima, Theodore, Elliot, Reuben, Owen, Hazel, Nellie, and Miles. You are part of what makes it possible for us to continue to produce fun new stories for our listeners. If you would like to support Stories Podcast and get every episode ad-free, head over to patreon.com stories and join for just $1 a month. If you'd like access to all of our ebooks or to receive a thank you in a future episode, that's also available at patreon.com stories. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Stories Podcast. If you send us a drawing of your favorite scene or character, we'll share it on our feed. Now here's a word from our sponsors. It's the end of summer and school will be starting back up again. And for Dan and his daughter Gracie, that means more remote learning. Gracie's pretty good at staying on task, but there's been a lot of technology troubleshooting and new routine building, and it's all been quite an adjustment. But while online learning has been new for Gracie and Dan, Laurel Springs has been doing this for nearly 30 years. As the experts in online learning, Laurel Springs has the tools and the curriculum your child needs to maintain their learning unhindered by whatever the future holds. Their flexible learning programs designed for students in kindergarten through 12th grade offer challenging and diverse courses. And Laurel Springs is accredited by the Western Association of Schools and Colleges and Cognia, which means their transcripts are recognized by colleges and universities worldwide. Register your child at laurelsprings.com stories today and receive a waived registration fee. That's laurelsprings.com stories for your waived registration fee. laurelsprings.com stories. Thanks. Enjoy the episode. The Wilderwood, Chapter 7 Lachlan watched his new friends in the halfling rest, but he wasn't really seeing them. He just kept imagining Sir Ranseer leaving them, over and over. The paladin had brought Lachlan into the Order of the Sacred Gauntlet. From him, Lachlan had learned to sharpen his mind before his blade, to carry a sword so he could be a shield, and to see the truth when others saw what they wanted. In his dreams, he saw himself ride into battle alongside Sir Ranseer, clearing away the chaos of the world and making good people safe by facing down dangers. It hadn't always been easy, but Lachlan had done his best to be brave, to be loyal, and to be true. And now, he'd be alone. With his own eyes, he'd watched Ranseer hand a great power to a great enemy an enemy that had attacked the heroes of all the realms and destroyed a harmless city filled with families. Lachlan knew that Sir Ranseer was a force for good. He reasoned the paladin siding with the enemy must have been some strategy, right? It was some last-ditch plan that Lachlan hadn't understood, 
How could he be so oblivious? Sir Ranseer was probably upset he hadn't gone with him. He had to find a way to help, but following Sir Ranseer would be impossible, and there was nothing left but chaos inside of Edgewater. What would Sir Ranseer want him to do? What would the Order want him to do? The Order. Harks looked over at him. What Order? Waiting on some stew? There was an Order of the Sacred Gauntlet in Tend, the last city we passed, back east before the Wilderwood. We have to go back so I can talk to the paladins there. They'll be able to help me find Sir Ranseer and help with whatever he's doing. Harks looked at him like he had just kissed a manticore. That village was two weeks' travel from here, which means we couldn't even get back here for four weeks, and by then everyone will be long gone. We have to go back for Gothak. Who? Lachlan said. That half-giant. He saved us. We have to go back and help him and... Lachlan couldn't believe it. He's gone, Harks. The Dross got him. You don't know that, said Harks, her hands starting to smoke. You don't know anything! I know Sir Ranseer went with that warlock for a reason, and it must have been a good one. Why was she being so difficult? He turned to Nezzy for support, but she looked away, refusing to meet his eye. Ranseer is lost to us, she said quietly. He went with them because he's one of them. That's not true! He's a paladin, a great man, and he wouldn't... He stabbed Gorson in the back, Nezzy whispered like it hurt her to say it. Lachlan felt the words like a fist in the gut. Liar! Lachlan was truly angry now. They were trying to trick him, to make him go along with whatever they were planning. How can you even accuse him of such evil? I didn't see, Hark started to say, but Nezzy cut her off. I did. I saw him stab Gorson in the back and steal the red coffer. We all know that Gorson wouldn't give it up willingly. Lachlan's rage was blinding him, but he forced it down. Nezzy must have misunderstood, must have thought she saw something that she didn't really see. Whatever, it didn't matter. I'm going back to that city, to the Order of the Sacred Gauntlet, and both of you should come with me. He ignored the halfling and started to head vaguely east. The brush growing all over was thicker than Lachlan had thought, and he took out his sword to slash a path through. Wait, Nezzy called. Wait, Lachlan, wait. He paused and then said to himself, No, I need to find my master and I'll go alone if I have to. And without turning back, he plowed into the brush heading east, swinging his sword wildly, taking his anger out on the forest in his way. Harks turned to Nezzy and the halfling wax. I don't want him to go off by himself either, but he's not thinking straight. Nezzy looked at Harks and frowned. He's not. And I don't know if he'll ever get out of the forest on his own, but we can't make him come with us. Harks nodded. Yeah, we need to find a way back into the city. What? Nezzy said. We can't go back there. Shalsani told me I have to go north, into the Wilderwood. Harks looked at her, puzzled. What? I didn't hear anything. No, she spoke in my mind, right at the end. 
She said I have to find Osla in the north. But Osla's probably still in there. No, he's in the Wilderwood already. I can feel it, Harks. Wax spoke up then. Well, this has been thrilling, but I've had about all the drama I can handle for one day. They stood up and dusted off their hands. Thank you both for freeing me, but I've got to get going. There's a prison camp somewhere in this forest, and I have to find it. I'm sorry, you want to go to prison? Harks asked. Yes, well, I have family there. Wait, what? Harks said. She looked at Nezzy. You can't just... But as she turned back to where the prisoner had stood, they had already disappeared into the forest to the south. Well, that's just great. Looks like it's just you and me, Nezzy. Nezzy couldn't look her in the eye. We can't do any more in the city. We almost got killed just trying to get ourselves out. And Shalsani... She cleared her throat. That spell, it can't be undone without a master druid. Do you think Osla can break the spell? Harks balanced between disbelief and a desperate hope to have Bobadin and Shalsani back. I don't know. I don't think so, but maybe. There's no one else that I know of who could do it, and Shalsani told me to find him. Harks spoke firmly. Look, you don't even know where Osla is. We have to go back in and fight. We have to try. You can't go off into the Wilderwood alone, Nezzy. No one makes it through alone. No one. Nezzy hugged her again. We both have things we have to do. We part here, but streams run down to rivers and rivers meet at the sea. Maybe we'll be so lucky. You can't just wander into the Wilderwood, Hark said. You just can't. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? Nezzy asked with a sad smile. Tell my dad? Harks laughed at that, even with tears in her eyes. Fine, just be careful. I'll get Gothak and the others and we'll come after you. North, right? I'll, I'll see you soon, she said. But in her heart, she felt the black shadow of a lie. Hope as she might, she had no idea what would happen next. Before she could change her mind, Harks turned and hurried back west towards the city wall. She didn't look back. She had to focus on saving what she could, and her heart couldn't bear to think of those she'd left behind. Nezzie watched Harks go until she pushed through a mass of bushes and disappeared. The young sorceress was unlike anyone she'd ever met before, all jokes and wildfire. They were becoming friends, but now there was no way to know if they'd ever see each other again. Nezzie sighed and walked deeper into the Wilderwood moving without a sound through the forest. Strangely, as she went, she found that she didn't feel alone. The Wilderwood was alive. Not like a person, but alive all the same. Under other circumstances, Nezzy would be having the time of her life. This place was a druid's dream. Everywhere she looked was some unique wonder. A molten flower dripping honey like iron ore. An electric rainbow of horned squirrels carooming from branch to branch, gauzy cups of mushroom each brimming with their own tiny oceans worth of life. Even tree to tree the variety was astounding. 
They ranged from scrub growth to monstrous towers, their tops lost in the misty crown of forest. They grew so high and thick that the moon only showed through here and there in dappled patches. Nezzy realized there was plenty of light coming from the Wilderwood itself. Everything from fluorescent fungus to glowing grubs and clusters of red she hoped belonged to lots of little critters and not one big one. She carried on walking, letting the forest distract her from her pain, from her friends, from her mom. She had to go north. She had to find Osla. The Frosker Hydruid would know what to do, or at least he'd have an idea. Nezzy was a good listener and an excellent follower, but she hated having to make decisions. There was no path, but she wasn't lost in the woods either. Thanks to her mom, she could tell which way was north by the slant of the shadows, the tilt of a vine, the thickness of some beard moss. No, what troubled her wasn't finding her way forward. It was what she left behind. How could her mother do that? The supplanting spell was a last resort. Had the warlock really been that powerful? Nezzy knew she couldn't release her mom from the spell. Osla was her only hope and North was her only clue. Why hadn't the others listened? Nezzy was sure that whatever the warlock was doing, it wasn't over. She was going to need help. She was going to need friends. A rocky river bent west across her path, so Nezzy followed the bank for a while. The sounds of the water made her sad thinking of the incredible city that she'd just seen torn to pieces. She went down to the shore to fill her root bottle and then took a long drink, washing the ashy taste from her mouth. There was a rustling close behind her. She thought it might be a small animal or a big trundle bug. It seemed like the rustling was heading away from her, but sound was tricky among the trees. Was she just being paranoid? Her thoughts turned back to her new friends. Should she have gone with Harks? The half-giant had saved them, and she felt bad leaving him inside the city. But what could they even do? The walls had fallen, all those brass oak trees, each one bigger than the last. And Lachlan, he was going to try and find help. If he could make it there, the sacred gauntlet would do something. But Nezzy didn't know if they were trustworthy. Lachlan seemed like a nice person, but his master, Sir Rancier, had betrayed them. Either the Sacred Gauntlet didn't know, or they did, and maybe there were others who were working with the warlock. Nezzy jumped. The rustling was back, closer now, behind her and off to the left. She thought it seemed a little strange because most of the animals who were active at night were careful to be quiet. And come to think of it, she hadn't heard any animal noises since the hoot of an owl back near the river. The forest was opening up into a small glade, flooded with moonlight. Nezzy paused gratefully, looking up at the stars. She thought of all the time she had spent watching them with her mother, simply being together. She was very sad to think that those times might be over. Suddenly, the rustling grew and split, and Nezzy felt a cold shiver run down her spine. She couldn't ignore it any longer. She was being followed. Heart pounding, she walked to the middle of the glade, feeling safer in the open where she could see. Her hand went to the branch in her pocket. When she turned, the dross came prowling out of the tree line, a dozen at least, their bodies made of withered wood scrambling towards her like spiders. Nezzy screamed and brandished her wand. 
to be continued. Today's story, Part 7 of The Wilderwood, was an original story co-written for you by Daniel Hines and Joseph Montebello and performed for you by me, Amanda Weldon. The Wilderwood is a fantasy serial that we've been telling in parts all summer long, and now there are only two parts left. Tune in to hear how things wind up for Lachlan, Nezzy, and Harks in the next two weeks. If you would like to support Stories Podcast, you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes, get ad-free episodes and more at patreon.com stories, check out all of our merch available at storiespodcast.com shop, follow us on Instagram at storiespodcast, or simply tell your friends about us. Thanks for listening!